Hello people, MC Rubio here. Uh, today we're going to be looking at how Hitler became Chancellor in 1933. <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm back. Uh, looking at 1933 here. Uh, right. Or the road up to 1923 anyway. Did I say 23? I meant 33. Excuse me. Now, how did Hitler become Chancellor in 1933? Here we go. Now, quick summary for you. In the 1928 elections, remember, the Nazis won 12 seats. Pretty poor, really. In 1930, though, that had crept up. Well, I say crept up. It had actually leapt up to 107. And by 1932, it was like a, like a leap on the moon. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, all that stuff. 1932, 230 seats. Absolutely massive. So within four years, they've gone from 12 seats to 230. That's a big multiple. Okay, so why this increase? Well, I've got four main reasons for you here. The Wall Street crash and the Great Depression had clearly devastated the German economy. But it was also the failure of Weimar to solve those problems that had led to this situation. Chancellor Brüning lacked support and seemed unable to solve these problems. And as a result... Support for extremists was on the rise again. Good news for the Nazis, not good news for lovers of democracy. So, why the Nazis, though? Why was it the Nazis that benefited so much from this? Sure, the communist vote crept up a little bit, quite a lot, actually, but why was it the Nazis that went through the roof? So here's the thing. People were looking for a strong leader, and you didn't come any stronger than Hitler in 1933. His party represented order in chaos, People who didn't have jobs, who didn't seem to have any structure in their lives, looked at the Nazis and marching, all wearing uniforms, and they seemed to have order and discipline. And that was something that people thought had been lost in Germany, and so they liked the idea of that. Propaganda was important. We've heard of Dr. Joseph Goebbels, haven't we? Yes. Well, they made scapegoats of other people. They appealed to middle classes, who were the hardest hit. And they played on the middle class's fear of communism. Negative cohesion. Remember this. Oh, yes, Daniel Sun, remember. Negative cohesion. Very, very important point. Okay, negative cohesion. It's the idea that people come together not because of what they like, but because of what they don't like. So it's a bit like, hey, I don't like that girl in the corner of the playground. No, neither do I. Shall we become friends and together we can hate that girl? Yeah, okay, that'll be fun. We can spend lunchtimes talking about how much we hate that girl. Okay. Great. Okay. Bye. So, they don't have anything in common as such. There's nothing positive going on here, but it's a mutual hatred. And Hitler plays on that hatred. And a lot of Germans come together in, in this hysteria that the Nazis whip up against Jews, against communists, against democracy. Negative cohesion. Remember that. Really important. So, March 1932, Hitler stood for president. Wow. I don't think he became president, you said. I thought you said he became chancellor. Exactly. He doesn't become president. He gets 11 million votes, and Hindenburg, the old president, gets 18 million votes. So Hindenburg wins. But I tell you what, it's a lot better than people thought Hitler was going to do. And in fact, because Hindenburg didn't have more than 50% of the vote, there was a recount, a re-vote in fact. Hitler made 13 million this time, Hindenburg got 19 million, and some of the other people fell away a bit. So Hindenburg had enough of the vote. Now, Hitler didn't win this vote for president, but it did show that he'd become a, nas a national major figure 
UK, which was clearly going to be important for him as he became Chancellor. Now remember this then, it's the President that chose the Chancellor. Remember under the Constitution, the President chose the Chancellor. So, 1932, Bruning had banned the SA and the SS. Bruning was already unpopular because he'd failed to deal with some of the problems of the Depression. And banning the SA and the SS was his way of trying to restore order in Germany. But it just created anger. And in the end, Bruning was sacked. So who next? Power vacuum. Well, von Schleicher was a general. And uh, von Papen was a fairly experienced politician. And these two guys jostled for power. Von Schleicher and von Papen. I want the chancellorship. No, I want it more. No, I want the chancellorship. Okay, jostling for power. Eventually, von Papen emerged as chancellor in May 1932. But really, it was von Schleicher who was behind the scenes, deciding what happened and what didn't, getting different parties to agree, then disagree as it suited him. Now, the Nazis gained a place in the government, but Hitler wanted to be chancellor. He was the leader of the biggest party, remember. He wanted to be chancellor. So he said to Hindenburg, Please, Mr. Hindi Windy, can I be Chancellor, please? And Hindenburg said, This no, we will not let you be Chancellor. <clears throat> and um, as a result, Hitler didn't become Chancellor. It turned out that Hindenburg hated him. Oh, yes, he had a little doll of Hitler, probably, that he put pins in. Um, he saw him as a jumped up corporal. Remember that Hindenburg was an army general, you know, field marshal, in fact, I believe. Very, very, very sort of top-ranking man in the army. Hero. And here he thought Hitler was just a commoner. Nothing more than a little jumped-up corporal in the army. He shouldn't be Chancellor of Germany. Well, so he thought. Now, von Papen was the Chancellor, remember, but he lost support and ended up resigning. So, instead, von Schleicher, our other scheming politician, although, remember, he was a general as well. And he became Chancellor in December 1932. But it didn't go well for him either, and he lost support. Now you've got von Papen, von Schleicher, make me Chancellor, no, make me Chancellor, competing for power. Well, von Papen does something here that's sort of clever in a sense and pretty stupid in another. He does a deal with Hitler. Now, initially, von Papen wants to be Chancellor with Hitler as his Vice-Chancellor. Hitler, of course, doesn't go for that. So the deal is turned round. Hitler is to be the Chancellor, and von Papen is to be the Vice-Chancellor. Now, the idea being, as far as von Papen was concerned, that they could control Hitler. Like a little puppet on a string, you know, yeah? Puppet on the string. And von Papen went to meet with Hindenburg and persuaded Hindenburg that Hitler could be controlled, and that he should make Hitler Chancellor. The idea was that Hitler would be the figurehead, the the face of the government, but behind the scenes it would be von Papen and Hindenburg who were calling the shots. And they were going to put uh, together a government that actually, although Hitler was the figurehead, had very few Nazis in the cabinet. Remember the cabinet's that group of core politicians who run the show. They were going to make sure there were very few Nazis in it. Now, Hindenburg had used all his options. He tried Brüning, he tried von Papen, he tried von Schleicher, and it hadn't worked. And seeing as they thought they could control Hitler, they made a decision. A big decision. On the 30th of January 1933, Hindenburg swallowed his pride and appointed Hitler Chancellor. Not particularly good news, as it turns out, was it? 
but Hindenburg clearly felt that he could control Hitler. According to Hindenburg at the time, he said this, It is my unpleasant duty to appoint this fellow Hitler as Chancellor. Not very happy about it, but he did it nonetheless. And so, as I say, 30th of January 1933, key date, Hitler is made Chancellor. So, key figures you need to remember in this story, Bruning, don't forget about him, Hindenburg, the president, don't forget about him, and then von Schleicher and von Papen, scheming German politicians, scheming people. Hitler would never have been chosen if it wasn't for their scheming because Hindenburg hated him and he was only persuaded by von Papen. And it was this struggle and jostling for power between those two that left the door open for Hitler to march in with his big Nazi boots on. So, summary. Why was Hitler able to become Chancellor by 1933? Effective propaganda was crucial. That negative cohesion stuff, remember. Now, the depression... That's what had led to a lot of people becoming very, very disgruntled with Germany. And Weimar appeared to have failed. Now, mix into that the appeal of Nazi policies, the strength, the order, the discipline, the fact that they talked about rebuilding German strength at a time when Germany seemed the weakest it's ever been. The Nazi policies were appealing. Emotionally, not logically, but appealing emotionally. And then you've got the poor leadership of the alternatives, Bruning's failure, the scheming of von Papen and von Schleicher. And their final mistake was in thinking that they could control Hitler. Oh, they learnt the hard way, didn't they, my friends? Oh, yes, they did. They learnt the hard way. Not controllable, as it turned out. But, of course, they weren't to know that, were they, at the time? Or were they? Were they very, very daft, or were they just unlucky. Difficult to say really, but remember without their scheming this wouldn't have happened. However, why is it ultimately that he is able to become the most, uh, the leader of the biggest party in the Reichstag? It's the depression. Absolutely crucial factor here, the depression. Think back to our roller coaster. The Nazis had gone down diddly down in terms of elections to 1928, hadn't they? And then what was it that made them go uppity up again? It was the depression. No doubt about it. And some historians have said if it wasn't for the Depression, the Nazis would not have been a relevant party. Oh dear. Well, here it is then. 30th of January 1933. Hitler is the Chancellor of Germany. Chosen by Hindenburg, remember. Chosen by the President. It's like turkeys voting for Christmas. They chose the end of democracy in Germany. Goodbye. Thank you.